0: Welcome back to Bullpen Sessions. My name is Andy Neary. Each week, I sit down with abundant thinkers who are kicking ass in life, and we deconstruct the formulas they have used to have success in business and in life to help you unpack your life, your business, so you can do the same. So put a smile on, grab a pen and a paper, get ready to take a ton of notes because you, my friend, are about to go on a wild ride. Here we go. Hey, hey! welcome back to Bullpen Sessions. I am more than excited this week to sit down with Andre Young. I have to be honest, this is probably one of the best interviews I've done here on the Bullpen Sessions podcast. This man is amazing. He is a man of strength in both muscle and Voice, You are going to absolutely love this guy. Andre is an executive coach. He is the founder of You Evolving Now. He's the host of the Andre Young podcast, the author of three books, Seven Ways to Lead, Seven Ways to Love and Evolve, which I have links to in the show notes. And I am just fascinated with Andre's story. One, he's a former athlete. And this is the, the mission now behind the Bullpen Sessions podcast. But he is also excelled in chapter two of his life. Andre grew up in the inner city of Philadelphia. Sports was not his thing as a kid. He found football at the age of 13, quickly realized he was pretty dang good at the sport, and it led him to opportunities to play college football at the Division Two level. It led him to try out at the NFL Combine, and it led him to playing arena football at the age of 30. Yes, the age of 30. Get this. He ran a 4-3 at the age of 30, a four, 3, 40-yard dash for the athletes listening in. Imagine trying to do that at age 30. Pretty fascinating. Now it's what Andre has done with chapter two of his life that I'm absolutely in love with here. You see, as an executive coach, he works with leaders. He looks, works with teams and he dives in, in this episode, he dives into the seven ways to lead. What leaders have to do today to excel moving forward. He talks about the leader's seven which are the seven languages people need, want, and benefit from hearing from those leaders they report to, that they follow. So much good information that businesses, that leaders, athletes need to hear today. So I am so excited to bring Andre to you. Again, you will absolutely fall in love with this man once you listen to this episode. So buckle up, take a bunch of notes, get ready to have your mind blown because Andre Young is about to bring the heat. Here we go. Shift your mindset. All right. Welcome back to Bullpen Sessions. I am super excited. Part of the new year, new mission, new audience. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited to have Andre Young
1: join the bullpen session. Andre, welcome aboard. Hey, Andy. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you guys for listening and happy New Year's to you and everybody.
0: This is, uh, I, I can't tell you how excited I am to have you on this, Andre. I, you know, in doing some research on you, like, you know how people say, well, I didn't grow up, you know, you either had one story or the other, right? You grew up, you know, with nothing, you grew up in an abusive family, or maybe you grew up with a silver spoon. Um, you've got, you know, people who've been married, not married, divorced, like you've been at all, right? You've grown up, <laughs> you, you grew up with not a lot, but you've also seen what wealth can do for you. You know, you're in your in your bio, you know you've been married, you've been divorced, you've been remarried, you've got kids, you've been an athlete, a pro athlete, man, you've just done it all. So we're going to go into so much, but I want to level set for the the audience listening in who has no clue who Andre is. Let's just start like, where'd you grow up? Where are you from? Tell us a little bit about maybe the younger version of Andre Young.
1: Oh wow, younger version of Andre Young. I was it's a great question. I grew up in inner city Philly. Go Philly. Um, and it was ah, uh, Tom. I like to say I was a nerd. I I, I like staying in the house. My brother loved going outside, ripping and running. This is pre-cell phone, so our parents didn't even know where we were, you know. Um, but I like to draw. I you know, I sold a painting when I was thirteen. My mom used to punish me by kicking me out the house. Um, but I grew up in a neighborhood that wasn't very good. It was good to start, but then mid '80s, the drug scene, crack cocaine. I remember it hit. And it hit like a tidal wave, and it changed people that you knew that were straight A students, good people, into walking zombies. And my neighborhood just became a um, a, a crazy place, a, a war zone, so to speak. And um, I, I remember my parents always saying, and they were together at the time. You know, I was still fortunate where if you went down the street, there was a lot of chaos and anything and everything you wanted down there. If you went up the street. It was safer. So I remember that guideline of, look, we can't tell you which way to go once you leave this house. But if you go this way, this is the way we want you to go, and this is the way it'll be good. But very small story, I used to play guitar, 1987. I didn't even have a guitar case. I had a triangular box. And I'm walking down the street, because that's where my music class was, through all of the drug deals, shootings, uh, police station that was stationed on the corner that I couldn't go anywhere in mobile unit just walking through la 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 la. So it was an interesting experience, but so much to learn, um, you know, of maybe what not to do. I didn't always have a lot of mentors, but uh, learning what not to do, how you didn't want your life to become and, and doing the opposite.
0: So I've got to ask you, you know, I was 10 years old in 1987, and there's probably people listening in who weren't even born yet. Andre in 1987 with a guitar, What music were you playing at that time?
1: Not very much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think of, like, what were the hot songs back in the mid-80s that we all were trying to learn? I'm thinking U2, ACDC. I mean, I don't know. You name
1: it. Uh, I I don't know what gravitated me to it. I I picked it up. I liked it. I took a few classes. Um, It ended as quickly as it started. Uh, I picked up a football and I married it, and everything else that I was interested in kind of went to the wayside, and I was all football.
0: Yeah, and let's let's go there because I think your story just—it seems so similar to somebody I had on this uh, podcast in the, uh, in the past. Somebody you know, Anthony Trucks. Oh yeah. Um, you know, you didn't pick up football right away. I no. think you said you started at age thirteen, right?
1: Yeah, thirteen. What, but when did you finally remember. get into the sport? I'm sorry. What made you finally get into the sport? What? Um, vaguely, I remember watching a playoff game and I can watch playoffs and championships and anything. I, I love that type of competition and intensity. Uh, but at that time, I'm a painter. I'm, 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 you know, not doing it. I'm a painter. I'm a drawer. I'm a musician. And I remember watching a playoff game and I just kind of loved it and, and like fell in love with it. And I don't even remember the moment where I said, this is what I want to do. I just remember when I picked it up I, ne- I couldn't put it down and it, it resonated so much in this inside thing that I had. Uh, I just wanted to hit things <laughs> and I don't know where that came from. I just wanted to hit things. So um, it, when I, when I fell in love with it, I couldn't play. I was, uh, I was 13, 14. So I played you know my little league um, team. So I played there for a year and the high school that I then went to for two years really didn't even, it didn't even have a football team. So my 11th grade year, I transferred to my neighborhood school, so I went from this uh, smart, quote-unquote, magnet school in inner city Philly to my neighborhood school with 5,000-plus kids, and it was a free-for-all. I have never seen anything like it, Um, and I left with four Fs, two Ds, and a C going into my 11th grade year. Um, At the time, I was going to school every day my 10th grade year, and I didn't understand why I wasn't learning. I still remember my mom looking at the report card, saying, trying to make out what this F was, this letter F. Uh, I realize now that I'm ADHD and a 10th type, I have a hard time learning things that I don't care about, sitting in row seats and the structure of uh, of something like that. And I just didn't do well with it. Uh, So my 11th grade year, I couldn't play football from my high school. Mm -hmm. I remember crying like a baby the day before the game when they told me this, where I was the starting running back and linebacker, and it was a great experience, um, told me, hey, son, you can't play. And it was one of the first lessons that I've ever learned about being an adult, being a professional, whether you're in business or whether you're in sports, and the truth comes down to a very simple premise. Do what you have to do so you can do what you wanna do. Now, what we have to do, what you might have to do, may be different from what I had to do. I had to go to school. Mm-hmm. So that whole 11th grade year, I really went to school once a week for half a day because I couldn't play for the for the, for the school. Uh, so I played semi-pro. 15 years old, 160 pounds, soaking wet, made the team with guys that are 20, 30 years old. And the thing that saved me is I didn't get paid so I can play my senior year. And I played my senior year. I had grades, even going to school once a week for half a day. <laughs> And, um, you know, and that was the start of getting college scholarships and things like that. So it it was a heck of a two year experience growing up in that 11th and 12th grade year.
0: Well, isn't it interesting, too? I mean, you think about the artist side of you. Remember, I told people listening in this man's a man of many talents, the artist, artistic side of you. I think those are people who don't like structure, right? Drawing outside the lines. And then you struggled with school because of that structure. I had to follow rules or I had to sit in rows and lines. But then on the athletic side, in order to be successful, you kind of have to have a lot of structure, right? And a lot of will and drive to do the, the boring, monotonous things most people don't want to do. And so that whole story, just listening you say that is so, so interesting. So here you are. It's the end of your senior season. Here's a sport you picked up, what, just five years ago at that point? Two years ago. Two years ago, man. And and, and realizing that you have a chance to play at the next level. Yeah. So tell us where you were at at that time. What schools were looking at you? Where did you have opportunities to play? Like, what did Andre look like at age
1: 17,
0: 18?
1: 17, 18 years old. I remember uh, I was probably still about 165 pounds, wanted to hit everything. I was playing a position of linebacker, and <laughs> you mentioned Anthony Trucks. Great guy, but Anthony's not 163 pounds. I don't think I think he was probably born 163 pounds. <laughs> of, uh, being, so I didn't have the traditional NFL linebacker body and things like that. So I got scholarships to Division II schools in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, I decided to go to Kutztown University, go Bears. And I was looking for a place at that time. Of what I thought I was looking for, but also mixed in with what I didn't know and what I know now, mm-hmm. I was looking for a place that that felt like home, mm-hmm. um, but not too much like home because home was crazy and home had a lot of you know wild things happening, and I had done too much that I didn't want to go and immediately fail out. So you know, I chose a place that it felt like home. I felt like I was safe there. Um, and that was a new thing, safety, you know what I mean? Being there and being in an environment. And it took an adjustment going from inner city, Philly to Cootstown, Pennsylvania, with horse and buggies and Amish cl- clacking down the street. It's a culture shop. Um, you know, so it, it was an honor to be able to play at that level. I didn't know what I didn't know. I love being able to work out and, and and lift. I was big on being strong. And if I was gonna be small, be the strongest piece of iron, you know, that that you can be. Um, now, what I learned um, much later, and I wish I could go back and tell that younger self, and I feed into my kids, and athletes, and employees, and leaders, is that most of us are very singularly focused on this thing that we want, mm-hmm. whether it's being an athlete, getting that raise, whatever it is. We are—we don't mind getting better in the way we want to get better. So, I want to get stronger. But is that, is that what my coach needed? Is that what the team needed? Is that what your boss needs? Is that what your husband or wife needs? So I, can't, I know I, I teach a lot the get great question. Hey, coach, what do you need me to be great at? What do you already have? How can I be an asset? What do I need to do to start? And then we got to shut up and listen. And then based off of what they said, if it's reasonable, doable, and fair for who you are and what you want, you do it a little bit outside your comfort zone mm-hmm. so you don't wind up becoming bitter and frustrated, but you add it to your arsenal. Never stop being great or better how you want to be great, but marry it with what the other person needs. So I was a hungry athlete. I'm doing exercises in, you know, in my driveway in high school, um, you know, escaping you know crack vials and potholes and all of this stuff. I'm out there, and I'm doing things to get my version of better. I failed throughout my college career of asking the get great right question. I failed in early, uh, you know, work as an employee and relationships and asking the get great right question and being able to marry the two.
0: That's wow. Yeah, I mean, your version of progress might not be exactly Tell heading the right path. It, it, it may it, you may be thinking you're progressing, but it's bringing it's actually not creating the value you need because it isn't supporting the team. Like you said, your spouse, your boss, whoever it might be, that that's fascinating. Cause I, I don't I have to admit, I haven't thought about that. You know, you talk people think, you know, I'm putting in the hard work when no one's watching I'm putting in the grind when no one's watching. But are you actually going down the right path? <laughs>
1: well, and what, what it does is it leads us to our professional or athletic or adult temper tantrum of. Look how much I'm doing. I deserve this. And now, with that righteousness, I very rarely have seen righteousness ever pay off. Yeah. So I'm honored to be able to go into organizations and then universities. And I never thought that I'd be doing this with high schools, but being able to do this with an athletic high school team and teach them something that they would have never gotten until maybe they're 44. It's life-changing because they take it back to their team. Their coaches get it. They bring it home to their parents. And it's like this life-changing thing. So although I didn't have it back then, I'm honored to be able to gift it to people now.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, again, I think about how often you mistake hard work for progress. Mm -hmm. But if you're not not focused on the right things, that isn't getting you closer to that result either you, your team, or your spouse, or your boss needs Mm – it's not really accomplishing the goal. And so, you know, what I love about your story too, Andre, is once college ball was over at Kutztown, and for the diehard sports fans out there, the, the, the name Kutztown rings a bell. There's been some some guys who've gone on to the oh, NFL, absolutely. mainly Andre, uh, Andre, Andre Reed, Reed at uh, uh, the Buffalo John Bills. Ozie,
1: I played, you know, fit, 15th overall in the NFL draft. And to play with that type of talent and, this, and to see what it looks like. Yeah. Um, to see what it takes. And to, uh, you know, it's... An awful experience.
0: I didn't mean to uh, ask a question on that. So, who was the 15th overall pick? John Mobley. John Mobley. Yeah. He spent some time with the Broncos, right?
1: I spent eight years and two Super Bowls.
0: <laughs> okay. That's that. I, I want to make sure I have the right guy. What was it like? Because Kutztown's Division Two. Mm-hmm. What was it like to see a guy like that on the field? Because this applies to life too, you know, whether it's sports or business, a guy like that who is a first round talent. Yeah. Was it like watching a man among boys? Like what was yeah. that like?
1: It's um, I think that's well to say, but not only a man among boys, because you could see like a big brother go out with the little brother's friends and just plow over people. It was more than that. It was, um, you know, first round draft picks run different. I say mm-hmm. like they they float on top of the grass. They don't run on the grass. You know the, the power, the explosion, the coil, uh, but also the dedication. And I like to say, especially as a Division two or Division three athlete, because you don't get those TV timeouts. It's hot out there at twelve o'clock, one o'clock in the afternoon, and to 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 go the uh, you know first round at that level, it means you're doing a lot. So you're playing special teams, you played offense, you play defense. The the stamina that takes, the the will that that takes. Um, the mindset that that takes, because it's, it can be easy to lose yourself in your success, mm-hmm. and uh, to watch day after day, week after week, you know, you know his dedication, his grind, but also seeing what it takes from a physical standpoint. Um, like you, we, I, I'm amazed that some place like Alabama, Clemson, LSU. When you look at, okay, I played with one, you had nine go in the NFL draft and eight on defense. <laughs>
0: And by the way, at schools like Alabama, when one gets hurt, another one comes in.
1: (laughs) Just like them. You know what I mean? Moves just like them. So it's amazing. But it really does. um, It it really did set a stage of, wow, okay, that's what it looks like. However, I still, even at that time, failed to ask that get great question and failed to really focus on what I even call my four C's. Like, you got to be consistent With your workout. Most people are willing to work out when they're motivated on a Monday. Hmm. Can you work out that way every day in some form of your game? Because it's not just about your game, but it's also about your mental, your nutrition. How do you do your confidence? Not every person, even first round draft picks, aren't confident all the time. So, what are you doing for your confidence? That get right question helps with that.
0: I think something I want to ask you, and I want you to go talk about this because you and I talked about this uh, offline Mm -hmm. when you were at Kutztown, you had a routine that you would put into practice quite often because you said it earlier, D two games didn't have commercial breaks. You played at 12 PM in the, you know, the middle of hot days, especially at the beginning of the season. Talk about the run one routine where you were trying to make sure you were consistently putting yourself in game like conditions.
1: Oh, um, especially during the summertime, you know, so I'm home, I'm back in Philly. Um, I could, you know, I got a job, I did all of this stuff and my routine was simple. Um, One, I wanted to wake up, um, you know, get my cardio and things in, but also I would walk to this this park that we had in my neighborhood and I knew that we would play at 12 or 1 o'clock. Therefore, I was there faithfully at 12 and 1 o'clock and I would push myself to the brink. Um, running my different drills that, that we did throughout the season, running hills and running and doing all of that, because I wanted to feel that pain going into the season so I can be as prepared as I could be. And I used to love when people would ask, Hey, and people would walk by or a friend every now and then, Hey, I want to work out with you. Sure. Great. I don't mind it. Come on. I'm going to be here at this time. So they would come, and then I never see him again. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that part of consistency. It's yep. if you want to do it once. And right now, depending on when you guys are listening, it's the new year. Happy new year. And so many people have made uh, New Year's resolutions. And it could be easy to live that New Year's resolution on January 2nd. <laughs> and I guarantee you it's January 4th right now. How many people have stopped? Correct. You know, so it's that consistency and it's amazing is what you do when no one's looking that will make you great. Boom, that's
0: it. And, you know, I, I love talking about superpowers and you've used the word consistency several times. And I tell if someone were to ask me what my superpower is, I, it's consistency. I'm going to keep going when you quit. And I think you just hit it on the head, whether it's an, a, an, you know in, in sports or business, you want to be like the people who are succeeding at the top. Yeah. They're the ones who keep going when you stop because you wanted the quick win. You wanted the quick ROI, whatever that is. Yeah. They just keep doing it day after day after day after
1: day. That's been the magic of my success and what I do as a professional speaker and leadership trainer. Um, but also with my son, my, my one son, my youngest son, he just turned 13, wants to be an NFL quarterback. Great. Uh, two quick things. I take him to the gym with me. I remember he was like 10 years old. And he's dad. I don't want to be here. And I said, son, look around. Do you see any other ten-year-olds in here? He said, no. I said, exactly. This pat before uh, you know Corona hit, we were at the field. Bunch of him. we were already there throwing. He could throw a twenty-yard out, and I could hear it coming, hitting my hands. I had to get gloves because he hurt my hands. Right. His friends started to come to the field to play a game of pickup football or whatever. And I could see he wanted to play. And I said, son, you could go over there in a little bit. Let's finish getting great right now. Because you see that they are here to play. You are here to work. And they just caught you being great. And as adults, as a leader, as a boss, or whatever you are, as a husband, as a wife, get caught being great. He didn't mean for them to see him. They caught him getting great. They think he's good just because he's good. He's Mason Young. No, he's good because we do this stuff when y'all not looking.
0: I lo- so you've got the get great question and get caught doing get caught getting great. Get I absolutely great. love that. Um, okay, so I'm gonna, we're going to get into this because you know what you're doing on the on the professional side today as a speaker uh, as an executive coach is is absolutely fascinating. But you have a cool story and it, it kind of mirrors mine. You know when I got. The ability when I when I signed with the Milwaukee Brewers, I actually, you know, I did not get drafted after my senior year of college. I actually started an internship, and I'll never forget this. You know, I started an internship in the financial industry, data entry. Andre, one day, one day on the job, I came home and I'm like, oh my lord, I am not going to be able to do this all summer. It's going to be (laughs) awful. And that night, I have I got a call uh, from the Milwaukee Brewers, and they were going to sign me to a free agent contract. End of story. The rest is history. You have kind of a similar story. You didn't get drafted. You actually moved on from college football into let's what they call the real world, Mm -hmm. but your football career wasn't over yet. No. Talk about that.
1: Um, well after college, yeah, I went to the NFL combines. I, I did that. I was in the best shape of my life and I made, I made one real big mistake before I get into like, you know, what happened next is, uh, I knew that I didn't have the body of a NFL linebacker. And if I could be blessed to wake up and look like Chase Young at 6'6", 300 pounds, you know, I would be a defensive end. I love sacking quarterbacks is my favorite thing to do, you know, uh, besides a cigar and a drink in one hand. Sure. One of my favorite things to do. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I did that and I changed my position. I said, I look like a safety. I look like a corner. So let me do that. So when the scout said do this, I'm like, do what? Like, I've never heard of that that technique before. So now I look slower than I am. So my advice to people, do great right where you are. Add the get great question in and then let the world figure out where you need to be, what they're willing to pay for, and then you can evolve it from there. So I I played that. One year of semi-pro because I was about 25, I still had it in my system a little bit, but I was working a job and I wanted to, you know, I went back to school. Uh, I got my master's in counseling psychology with a specialty of marital and family counseling. I became a mental health therapist and I absolutely loved it. I mean, it it was, um, yeah, I love being able to impact people, connect with people, read between the lines and, and serve. So I really thought that I'd be doing that, um, Eight years later, I am 30 years old, working out at a gym, and I never stopped working out like an athlete. Of course, not doing all the stuff, but some of the stuff. So I'm working out, and a gentleman comes over to me and says, "You look like a football player." I said, "Thank you." He says, "No, you look like you can still play." I said, "Stop. I'm, I'm done. I have three kids at that time. I am. I'm. I'm past it. I put that all to the side." Um, and he just kept hounding me about it, like and. and told me he was a coach for an arena football team um wanted me to try out for the team and I said no again like for the 13th time no and he said listen said, I'll train you so I decided let's do the training um and long story short I made the team I ran the fastest time that I ever had at 30 years old I ran a 43.740 At 30? At 30. Um however it was the death of me or my football career, so to speak, and the launch of the new, you know, of what I get to do. So, my first 40, if you've been to a combine or tryout, you know you run two 40s. My advice, if you run a 4 3 or below, you don't have to run your second 40. And I didn't know that at that time because I'm like, listen. So I, So, I go to run my second 40 and pull my hamstring. And I'm 30 years old. I need to run 20 striders at that time just to warm up and stretch. And these 22, 23-year-old young men, I won't want to disrespect them and call them kids. They don't need to warm up. They're just cheering, cheering, cheering all over the place, you know. Uh, So I pulled my hamstring. Uh, I did very well in the tryouts and everything before that. So I made the team on one leg. And I'm proud to say, and I thank them for the opportunity to do so. And I gut it through, um, pulled hamstring, and then I tore it again. Uh so I was released week five of my of the season. They went on to win the championship. Um, it was such a great experience to play, although at a small professional level, at a level like that with other you know men and getting a second chance to look at it all um after being eight years out of it. It, it was it was an awesome experience.
0: Well, I think there's an important lesson there, too, to be learned. You know, most of us that are listening that played maybe at the professional level or at least high collegiate level won't ever get a chance to play professional sports eight years after the fact right Mm -hmm. but there's a lesson in that over those eight years you didn't stop putting in the work like you did when you were an athlete right and that's what gave you the ability at age 30 to run a freaking force 3 40 at age 30. again i don't want that to go overlooked that's insane
1: Well, here's another lesson, Andy, that I learned from that. Um, I was not too broken up when I got released. And I say that because whether you're an athlete right now or whether you are whatever professional position of leadership you may be in, I I often talk about getting our triangle right. And like I mentioned before, we can be so linear focused on our definition of success that one of three things are going to happen. I wanted to be a professional football player since I picked up a football, and I finally got there. And one of three things happen when you get to your definition of success. One, you either get it, but you're not the person you need to be to be able to enjoy it and keep it, so you lose it. Mm -hmm. Hence a divorce, you know, whatever it is in your life. You get it, but it's not what you thought it was going to be. So now you're frustrated, depressed, and lost. When I when I got there and I'm playing it, I'm honored to be doing it, but my heart wasn't in it like it was when I was. If I would have got it at 25, yeah. 24, 23, you know, the lifestyle that I had, had had changed. Yep. So now doing these things and 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 sharing the locker room with someone that's 22 or telling my wife at the time, hey, I gotta go to Hooters for our contracted pregame lunch. Do you want to argue now or do you want to argue later? But I gotta go. You know, missing my three kids and travel. So, you know, we got to be mindful about that. And then the other thing, you get it. Everything's great. It's great. And then here comes life to gut punch you with something that changes everything. Mm-hmm. So I talk about expanding your plan. A, your vision of success cannot only be this one thing that needs to look like you have it looking in your head. Yep. What do you want to do or what would you do when sports are finished? Mm hmm. I don't do that whole statistical way. Hey, you might not make it or you're one injury away. No. What would you want to do? Or what would you like to focus on also when this is done? And that could be two days from now, 20 years from now. And we start preparing for that and putting that in our arsenal, having fun with that too. So when things change, it don't wipe you away with it.
0: Well, and you think about athletes, the, the, the day does come where your sports over now, a small percentage of athletes get to go out on their own terms, meaning you made it all the way to the professional ranks. You get to retire. Maybe you're even a hall of famer, but most either are done because of an injury or they're done because they're told they're no longer good to play good enough to play.
1: And you can't even take it personal. And you know, my coach, Hey, you're 30. I'm never going to be 20 again. Like, so that that's not going to, and football is one of those rare sports where once you're done, you are done. And you're, you're not going pads again. You're never going to wear a helmet again. You know what I mean? Once you're done that sport, you're done. Flag football is nice and it's fun. It can be competitive. It's not the same.
0: Well, and I think the lesson, too, I heard from you at age 30 is your body said you could still play but uh, up until the torn hamstring. But your mind had already moved on. Your mind had already gone on to a different phase in life. And I think that's so important for people listening in to hear because there does come a day you have to move on. You're met, you mentally have to move on. And I think it's so ironic. I, I laughed earlier, Andre, when I was thinking about it. You loved football because you loved hitting people, like doing damage to them. And then here you are mental health.
1: <laughs> I've been on both sides it <laughs> of, of many, many things, Andy, and there we so, go again.
0: Let's talk, let's go on to chapter two now, what you're doing today, which is so amazing. You know, if you, if you haven't been following Andre, here's just a couple things about him. You know, you've got three books, you've got seven ways to lead, you've got evolve and seven ways to love. And you're a, a well-known keynote speaker. You speak to colleges, high school, executive leadership teams. Uh, you're just doing it all, man. And so let's start with maybe the book, Seven Ways to Lead, because I think people might go, okay, Andre, what are those seven? You know, when you think about leadership today, yeah. especially coming off the heels of 2020, when leadership was tested everywhere, yeah. what, where do you view leadership going forward right now? What does a leader have to do to be successful from here
1: on out? Um, well, two things. Uh, so one, leaders now have to be more flexible than they've ever been before. Um, and I believe that leadership really comes from servicing your people's deepest need right now. Um, and again, is it reasonable, doable, and fair? And when so, we do it a little bit past our comfort zone. So I never thought that I would be a speaker or talking about leadership, to be honest with you. And you know, when I was talking to companies, I was big on the past few years back on personal leadership on personal growth, personal development and relationships, hence the book, Seven Ways to Love. And the truth really became that leaders liked it, but they can meet their bottom line without it. Mm. And what I really realized is they wanted leadership. And I said, oh crap, well, I don't really speak about leadership. Until I went back and I looked at all of my videos, I looked at everything I had written and I was already talking about leadership. I just hadn't said the word. And when I started to add the word, I say, okay, I I am talking about leadership, but how am I speaking about it different? So to fully answer your question, my definition of leadership breaks out into three things. One, personal leadership. How are you? How are I? How are we showing up to our work, our relationships and our lives in a way that makes people want to follow us Mm -hmm. because they enjoy and respect how you are and who you are? I'm sure at that data entry job, I've had some jobs. As a listener, you've had some jobs that you only did what the boss said because they had that title. And if they didn't have that title, it would be a whole different conversation. Yep. So personal leadership, how we communicate, how we carry ourselves, how we interact. The other thing then comes down to the effective and daily leadership things that we're consistent about to allow us to effectively lead a team. There's things that we need to do on a consistent basis about that. And then we break down the third thing, work-life harmony. I always, and now leaders, now more than ever, are going to stress that. Employees need that. I'm always putting those two together. Leadership, by my definition, and work-life harmony. Pre-COVID and whatever we go to after COVID, the fact that we carried our cell phones with us every single place we went means that your relationship, your kids, your life right now, everywhere you are, that whole leave home at home before you walk into work, that's been done. You got leaders, you got CEOs doing their job while responding to 10 pages worth of hate text because their relationship is you know, messed up. And as a leader, you can close your office door. The front line people can't. When we go home from work, the phone may not stop ringing, dinging, and chiming with work stuff. And if you answer it, you've given permission for them to invade on your time. If you don't, it doesn't wipe away the stress of what's going on. What am I walking into? Am I being am I not being a team player? Am I going to get consequence for this? You know, and it's so important now and now with Zoom, we have to be able to do that work-life harmony and be so uh top of mind about that because our roles are now more blended and meshed now than they've ever been and people are burning out
0: absolutely you know and i just i was just reading something this morning about the 9 to 5s being replaced with the 322 two, because the way we work is going to be so different now dive into this without going into you know super deep uh, at a super deep level of each of the seven areas and you probably touched upon a few of them already like when you talk about the seven ways to lead andre give us um, a high level overview of what those seven
1: are high level overview is one we got to prepare as a leader so a leader's preparation um, how are you prepared to now be a leader? And what I mean by that is in the professional position of leadership within your organization, the coach of your team, or leading now your new life. We have more leaders in these past couple of days of their own lives than ever before because of January 1st. So people have decided I need to lead my life better. So a leader's preparation, how do you prepare? How do you get a leader's confidence? Okay. How do you get a leader's gratitude? Okay, we got to be grateful for the things we have, because the truth is there are about seven billion people in this world. Half of them, if not more, would trade places with you right now. Okay, they take your life, they take your wife, they take your kids, they take whatever you got because you got it better. And we got to remember that daily leadership. How do we do these daily and consistent things that will make you a leader and impact the leadership and work life harmony of your team? How do you take a risk, a leader's risk? Leaders got to be able to risk some things. Ask Blockbuster Video, (laughs) right? (laughs) Then we got to be able to do some daily self-care. One of the big things that leaders do is they care for themselves. We can't care for our people when we're burnt out and bored out. And then lastly, and it's the juggernaut, and really could have been a book all by itself, is the Leader Seven. And it's the seven languages that your people need to hear, want to hear, and benefit most hearing from leadership. And leaders, because they're people too, Enjoy hearing back from their people. We, as leaders, you as a leader, we got to be able to speak all seven. But each one of our people has a top one or two. So let's stop guessing what it is. Let's stop um, leading lazy with leading with our language. Know theirs, do theirs, and it's easy to do. I, I promise. Because if it's not easy and simple, people are not going to do it.
0: Well, so uh, two things. I'm going to challenge you to write this book in the next year or two. I want to see this come out as a book. Number two, what are those seven languages? That, uh, that employees need to hear from their bosses, their leaders, and the leaders need to hear from their employees.
1: Oh, not a problem. Uh, the seven languages are first goody time. So that employee that really enjoys, the, it could be the chocolate snacks on your desk, pizza day, hot dogs. I stayed at a job, Andy, no lie. I stayed at a job for three months too long, getting severely underpaid because they had a good lunch spread every day. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I worked in house. And they were sponsored by a you know a pharmaceutical. So you have pharmaceutical reps come in all the time, put out these gourmet lunches, two to three months too long, but I ate very well. Uh, you have quality minutes. This is the employee that wants time to have that three to five minute conversation that's not work related.
0: Hmm.
1: Okay. And th- th- that's what inspires them. That's what motivates them. You have knowledge and advancement. There's an employee that wants to know what you know, so they can be you one day. Recognition and affirmation. That employee that needs that pat on the back, knowing that they're a part of the bigger picture. Okay, Incentives. Some employees, they're driven by incentives. And some leaders would be like, well, I shouldn't have to do more for you to do the job that you signed up for. Well, they circled incentives. They like company competition, raises, bonuses. It could be a gift card, something. They're driven by that. The next is flexibility. That's twofold. Can their ideas be flexibly implemented into the process of things, and or can they work in a flexible manner? COVID helped with that. Those individuals that spoke flexibility made out because they proved that they could be even more productive being flexible with a flexible schedule. Lastly is respect. Respect has the longest drop list. One of the biggest things I heard from employees is, do I have the tools to be successful? I talk a lot on email etiquette. Body language, how we're asking, not demanding. Um, so you know, email etiquette is huge, especially now with how much we work remote, so important. So I thought when I created this, and it is in the book, I thought everybody would pick respect and something else is their top two. And it was not the case. When I do this all around the country, I have people say what their top two is. And it's amazing the different combinations. And they're amazed by the different combinations. And then it's, okay, which one resonates the least with you? Because that's going to be the individual you struggle the most with. Oh, I shouldn't have to give incentives, but the people with incentives, you're going to isolate. Mm-hmm. The goody time, not everybody picks it, but the few that do. Or you got a team of four and two like it, that's important. You want to do knowledge and advancement and get everybody where you are when all they needed was donuts. Yeah. And then I teach how to speak it in these casual times and the tough conversations that you have to have as a leader or you won't be leading for long. So those are the seven.
0: You know that you know where my head went, even as you were discussing those seven, Andre, is going back to what you learned as a young athlete, what you teach your kids as a leader. You've got to be able to number one, if you're not a leader, if you're an employee, you've got to be able to ask the get great question from your leaders and number two, as a leader, catch your employees getting great. Yes. Yes. Because I think that's something I think it gets overlooked far too often. Is the ones that are putting in the work, mm-hmm. catch them doing something good. Catch them putting the work in and let them know how much you appreciate that.
1: And, and in their language. Yeah. And in their language, and because it, it takes the guessing out, but it's also meeting their deepest need, not yours. Yeah. You know, and and teaching how to do that. And I like bookending companies because this is not just for leaders. You also want to do the players, the frontline people, the middle management, because we need to sandwich it. We're asking leaders sometimes to do way too much. Yeah. By dragging the whole company, the whole team forward by themselves. Like that's not that's not always realistic.
0: Yeah, so let's let's wrap up the conversation here. This has been powerful because I think just what we had talked about in the last 5 to 7 minutes around leadership and the seven ways to lead, the seven languages, that is so needed today because yes, I understand we've been in this virtual this new world for the past almost a year now, but so many companies are still trying to adapt to this that we're not going back to the way it was. When you look back at your athletic career, Andre, and now parlayed into the work you're doing with leaders talk about your at the mindset you had as an athlete Mm. and how do you use it today what parts of it do you use today when working with leadership teams and teams in general
1: oh my goodness uh to simply say it um it's really four c's i got to be consistent because you always got to be ready You want to stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And whether that's work, whether that's as an athlete, whether, you know, whether that's as a husband or a wife, I I want to be consistent in my effort. Um, The other one is confidence. I get confidence. You get confidence when you know not only you're doing a good job, but you're meeting somebody else's need, because that's what you get paid for. I don't get paid because I do a good job. I get paid because I meet the company's deepest need. So once we understand that, now I can be confident because not only it's not just me saying I do a good job. Dave also said I've done a good job based on what, what, I've, what I've offered. My wife gets to say a good job and I get to be more confident because of that. Um, the other big one is construction talk. You always got to be talking good. Um, I talk good about myself to myself. You know, I, I don't operate in negativity. And when I do fail or something negative happens, I'm always, what can I learn from it so I can apply it to my arsenal? I, I, I don't wallow. Um, construction talk. Um, once my, my kids were in the car, OK? So both my, my, my sons were in the car. I had four kids. Two of my sons were in the car. They had a friend with them in the car. And they started talking negatively about a teammate. When they got out the car, I pulled them both in. I let their friend go in. I said, please. Don't ever do that. One, you always want to build up your teammates, even the ones whose guts you can't stand. You build up your teammates, you build up your team, because one, that person now can go and say, well, you said this and you say that. And now you're arguing in the locker room. You would be surprised when you speak positively, not only to yourself, about yourself, about your coach, about your players. Sometimes they hear that on the back end. And what it does for you as a company, as an organization, as a team, and a relationship is so amazing. So construction talk, not to mention, this is from my mental health days, very, very simple. How you think impacts how you feel. Mm. How you feel impacts what you do. What you do impacts then your consequences. They're either negative or positive. So be mindful. Most people think it starts with how you feel. No, it starts with how you think. So construction talk is big. And then lastly, you got to compete. You got to compete. So I'm either competing with me from yesterday, I'm competing with last year already. Um, And as an athlete, you know, you're competing with yourself, you're competing with your teammates, you're competing with people that are about to get drafted or recruited behind you or veterans that they can bring in. It is constantly a competition with the focus on winning. But we, you, have to be very clear on what that definition of winning looks like. And then what are the, I call it your vision, but what are your vision factors? The three to five things, you know, when you do them consistently, the vision has to come true.
0: That's all. Yeah. I, you know, I just look back you're making me look back at my career. And I think one of the, one of the biggest fears I have in my life, Andre, is not living up to my potential. Mm. And I think what you just said, you know, even if you're not competing with somebody else, compete with who you were yesterday. And I heard somebody say this, uh, you know, a while back about the actions you take today better make the future you happy, proud mm. of mm. who you're trying to become. Mm. And so I think the, the words of wisdom you just shared today, if I hope the people listening in are taking a bunch of notes, because this is, this is the game. This is how it's played. It's, it starts and ends with mindset. Um, and it's not some quick fix. There's not, any shiny metal objects out there or silver, you know, that are going to save your, you know, allow you to play that professional sport or advance your career, it all starts with the work you're putting in, the consistent work, the mindset. That is the game. So I want to end it here. And I, I didn't go in chronological order, but I want to end it here. I, I'm always a big believer about being grounded. I think one thing that allows us to be so great is the ability to also be grounded the ability to check that ego at the door. And when people hear your story and they go, what, you, you, you ran a four, three at age 30. Like, are you human? <laughs> um, there's actually a mortal side to you, you know? And, and this is, this is something that resonated with me. Cause I had my, I don't want to call it a near death moment. I mm-hmm. walked away pretty, pretty free, but back in 2010, I, I was in a pretty bad car accident and it puts a lot of part of my language, a lot of shit in perspective, Andre. Exactly. And you had the same thing. Something similar happened in 2013. Would you mind sharing mm-hmm. that?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, it all it really started uh, stomach pain, and on a scale of one to ten, it was a thirty, and wound up being a perforated ulcer. Uh, long story of not being treated. Um, I'm laying on the floor dying. I am laying on the floor dying, in and out of consciousness, cold sweats, pain, uh, and at some point, uh, it's odd to say, but death becomes pleasant you know you don't mind it so much as as you're drifting and I remember calling my kids and I spoke to each of them at the time it was three at the time not four and I I remember speaking to them and all I remember saying on that floor and the only two things that resonated in my mind was one does my wife know how much I love her and number two do my kids do they know enough that I teach them enough that I can die right now and they'd be sad but they'd be okay so if that's what I was thinking about in death, it's not going to come down to how much money you have, what position you had, you know, what title you had behind your neck. You're not going to think of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Those were my two thoughts. So if that's what I was thinking in death, that must be what I choose to live every day. I'm going to love my wife. It's not my job to make her happy all the time. That's her job, my job to be happy all the time. And we don't get to be happy all the time. That's a bully word. Who gets to be happy all the time, as if these other feelings don't have their own weight and and meaning. So I'm going to love my wife all the time. In my book, Seven Ways to Love, I talk about how to love. How do you do that? And can you love when you don't like? Can you love when you don't feel like? And then the other thing is, did I teach my kids? And that's really expanded and evolved since 2013 is, have I taught enough? Hmm. So I want to teach my kids. I want to teach um you know uh employees leaders athletes anybody i i want to leave this world knowing that i left a mark that the world could be better because i said some things that will last forever
0: thank you for sharing that man that was that was pretty cool that was powerful because i think you know anybody listening out there many many have had their rock bottom moment and sometimes it's a health crisis sometimes it's you know poor decisions something tragic, whatever it is. And I think we all can go back and go, yeah, it just puts life in perspective. And it makes you constantly think about, am I doing enough? Am I living up to my potential? And am I being the person I ask everybody else to be? So let's finish up here. Two final questions, Andre. If there's somebody listening and they're like, okay, I need this dude talking to my team, impacting, teaching my team. Where, can, where where can What are the best ways to get in touch with you?
1: Uh, best ways, two ways. Uh, one, my website, all my information is there. It's youevolvingnow.com. So Y-O-U, evolvingnow.com. Uh, like I said, all of my videos, different things that you can look at, services, but most importantly, connect with me. I want to have a half hour to an hour conversation with someone and I don't like selling. I don't like, you know what do you want to get out of bringing someone like me in let's have a great conversation and if something goes from there then fantastic love meeting great people uh the other one is my email address andre a-n-d-r-e at UEvolvingNow.com. and same thing let's have a conversation
0: and well i'll put that both of those in the show notes um so last question there's an athlete listening to this podcast right now he or she is playing college ball Maybe play high school, pro ball, or a business executive, and they know that they're not going to be able to do this the rest of their life. They know that that transition is coming at some point. We all hope we can do this for the rest of our lives, but let's be real. So, most often, there is that transition to that phase of that next chapter in life. Mm-hmm. If somebody's sitting there right now in that position, knowing that that next ch- phase, that next chapter, that transitions there, what advice would you give them?
1: I love the question. Um, I say get your triangle right. What goes on the top of our triangles run our life. For your specific question, Andy, what goes on the top of your triangle is your expanded plan A. Hmm. I don't let anybody talk to my kids and I tell them, don't you sit there and listen to the statistics of you're not going to make it. You're the, the, ah, This is what you're going to do. Let's go to the wall with it and see where we go and see how high we go. This is the dream. This is the vision. Let's get it. What do you want to do when you are finished playing? What else are you interested in? My one son wants to be an executive director of player personnel for NBA team. Great. What do you need to do? We just found out two weeks ago that that's a sports administration degree. And there's two schools in uh, Division II in Pennsylvania that offer it. We're on that. My other son wants to be a commentator uh, on like the NFL network. Okay. So great. What do you got to do for that? And and so, you expand your plan A. The other prong of the triangle is called make it, take it. You got to make time and take time for the other relationships that matter. You're so busy focused on that one thing, whether it's football or whatever it is or sports or baseball, that we can neglect the relationships that matter. When we stop doing that, all of a sudden, we're alone because we didn't take care of the other relationships. So, I know your sport is in your schedule, in your calendar, is your husband, is your wife, is your brother, is your sister or your friends. And you make time and take time. And the fact that we have a phone, I, Andy, I don't have a very spontaneous life. I have four kids and a business that I run. I, I don't have I don't not spontaneous. Yeah. However, I put my friends in my calendar. I know once a month I'm hanging out with these guys here. I got some entrepreneurs that I hang out with once a month here. I put some other, you know, um, a men's group at church. I put in there and it alerts to my phone. I don't miss it. And I work around it. Yeah. The The last spoke. My last piece of advice is making time and taking time for you. Hmm. You got to know what you like doing. What gives you peace? I know exactly what to do and where to go, so I can be me, hone in, relax, disconnect, and be better. You got to know what that is for you. Yeah, and 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 making time and taking time for it.
0: Yes we're gonna end it right there i mean andre this has been one of the more impactful interviews i have done uh i thank you for this because i hope you listening in right now wow again i don't care if you're an athlete former athlete ceo take what andre just shared with you for the past 50 minutes and please apply it immediately andre From the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for your time today. This has been massive. Um, Like I said, one of the more impactful interviews I've ever done. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you're listening, guys, I don't have to say much. Mic drop. Andre did the dropping for me. Um, But you know, again, is what I always like to say and how I always like to end these podcasts. When confidence and clarity collide, massive action happens. Go make it happen today.
1: Shift your mindset.
0: Hey, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you're finding bullpen sessions to be valuable to your business in your life, do me a favor. Please go to Apple. Please subscribe. Give it a five-star rating. And if you have anybody else in your life, whether it's in your personal tribe or in your business that could also be impacted by listening to these episodes, do me a favor. Share the bullpen sessions with them. I'd be extremely grateful. And until next time, go out, make it happen today. Put a smile on your face and have some fun.